It's not another Bills podcast with John Corzilius. That was the first time in my lifetime that I felt like the Bills were actually good. Yeah, it was a long time after that until I felt that feeling again. Then Pat Caprio. Well, to quote Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> what, what better place than here? And, um, you know, what, what better time than now? Brandon Habermas. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, grab your cousins. Grab your friends, grab your mailman, grab your cat, meow in their face, grab your dog, grab anybody that'll listen to this bet here. So how, how was, how was last night for you guys? Late? Everyone stayed up for the whole thing, right? Yeah. I was kind of snoozing by the, the halfway through the third quarter. I was falling asleep on Sam, but every time something would happen, I'm, I'm jolting up and then I'm standing up and then I'm yelling and then it's let's go. And I carried that high all the way to the end of the game and then just crashed afterwards. But sometimes it's hard when you're, when you're up that late and you're jazzed up after such a big game like that. But I was really tired. Like, like you guys know, I don't feel too great right now, but I don't know about you. What did you, how did you feel Pat? Yeah. Kind of well, same way, except I was like so jazzed up after the win, like I couldn't go to sleep. And then I finally got to sleep and my, my beloved childhood dog came downstairs and woke me up and, um, I got like five hours of sleep, but it was worth it. It was worth it. I want to know collectively how much paid time off people took off today in the city of Buffalo. Oh, probably a lot. I think people took vacay time, right? (laughs) Something. I don't know how many people did not show up to work today due to the game. You know, I had school off today due to indigenous people day, um, but not everybody does. So I was thinking my lucky stars that it was off today. As soon as that, as soon as they say there's a delay, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord, for not working at a school on Monday. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So anyway, did you guys have like, because there were so many highlights from that game. What was your favorite highlight? Like, what, what do you think the play of the game was? Well, I, I really liked the intros to start. I had Dawson Knox had, it, you know, a mediocre game. I don't know if it would have been as great, but like when he, he, you know, they were listening off the first whole information and he was just like Dawson Knox, hottie toddy. That was, that was hilarious. Like in, in correspondence with like, I mean, he had three, he had three catches for 117 yards. He was averaging 31 yard per catch. I mean, that's, that's insane, man. Like, dude, after the first half, Josh was averaging 31 yards. It was seven completions for 219 yards. And I was like, are you for real? What's that equal out to be? I I'm sitting there. I look at Nate. They came over to watch the game yesterday. I'm like that seven completions. That can't be right. Like no way that's right. And then 32 yards per completion. I'm like, that looked about right. He finished with 21 was his average, uh, average completion yardage, which is funny, but so Patty, which which of the catches was your favorite? Because I think that's where you were going with that for your favorite. I mean, probably the uh, the one where he caught Mr. Sorensen deep. You know, I, I I really liked that one. But he had a couple. Like I think on the first drive, didn't he actually? He had a nice catch too. But no, definitely the one where he went deep. Yeah, sure. Brandon, what do you think the play of the game was? I would say Greg Russo's tip ball with the interception. It saved points off the board. And I'm sitting there and like I I said in the last show about coming of age of this team and how they would be better. And they drafted him for that exact play. They knew from the day that they put him on their draft board that they needed to come at Pat Mahomes. They needed to harass him. They needed to get the arms up in his face. And 
they had a couple of balls that were tipped yesterday and that play changed the game. They're, Kansas City's driving down. I wasn't totally worried yet, but that extra time, even though it was a three and out for the Bills offense after that turnover, it still made a difference. Kansas City had to earn every single yard back after that turnover and it killed a lot of the clock. And then that big drive followed from Josh where he came out. It was that 12 play, seven minute, 85 yard drive. And that all accumulated through that tip ball by Russo. And that was so great to see just Brandon Bean uh, just watching the way that his draft class played yesterday was my favorite moment of the game, specifically outside of Greg Russo. But looking at one play, it's definitely that that interception. Yeah, it's definitely the most impactful for sure. I mean, you look at what the Chiefs would have been looking at if Groot doesn't make that play. I mean, it's they've got momentum. They get a touchdown there. You know, it could be a whole different ball game. I'm not sure what the score would have been at that point, but definitely enough time left on the clock at that point for, for Patty Mahomes to, to do his thing. So really glad that that happened. Like you said, even though they got the three and out, but my favorite play from this entire game was, had to be the Micah Hyde interception. Like, I mean, I jumped so high. I I think I hit my head on the ceiling almost like it, it was just as exciting as the Taron Johnson uh, interception, both, both of them last year. I, I think that that was really a defensive statement. That's what we've been missing in these games against the Chiefs besides any kind of offense. But, I mean, that was really just, you know, icing on the cake because this team showed out in all three phases, not just offense, but defense and special teams as well. So yeah, that fun was that play was really fun to watch. But, all right, I know that we usually uh, keep it pretty lighthearted and positive after Bill's wins, but I feel like we got to talk or at least get it out of the way in the beginning of the show a little bit about Collinsworth and the referees because obviously we we all have some thoughts about that. So, Brando, I'll start with you. What did you what did you think of either of those things? I sit there, and I like I said, I was kind of drifting in and out of sleep at times due to my cold right now. But I would hear him say stuff, and I would just look up at Nate and, and across the room, and he would just be like. WTF. Why would he say that? And it was just like, that would get our attention. And we're just like, they pay him millions of dollars, him and his son to be on this show every week in the prime time. Al Michaels just comes on the radio spot on Friday for Buffalo sports. And then he's got this guy, Chris Collinsworth driving him down. And it's just so sad to see. I really think that those eighties bills teams that played him must've put a big hit on him at some point. Somebody, you know, I know they beat the Bills in that 89 playoff game or whatever it was back then before Brandon was born. Um, but somebody on those teams did something to Chris Collinsworth because he did not like us at all. Every single thing was the Bills lost this game, not Kansas City playing bad, not Josh playing well. Everything was defamation. Nothing was positive. He's like 10 minutes to go down three scores Spagnola has not stopped the Bills on offense one time, and Chris Collinsworth is like, well, maybe he's just got him right where he wants him, waiting to pull out yeah, some miracle yeah. play on defense. And we're like, bro, there, you have gotten shredded on defense. You are not complimenting the Bills game plan at all. You're not complimenting the Bills personnel at all. You're not complimenting the Bills play calling at all, all which were outstanding to that point. He's just saying that Spagnola's got him right where he wants him, and he's... Ugh. Yeah, and that's all not to mention his Gator roll comment, like encouraging the the Chiefs defense, like, hey, if if you're gonna run Josh, like 
yeah, be be prepared to get gator rolled, which is just like one of the dirtiest plays. I mean, that's that's like stuff that Pat used to try to pull at, at football practice in high school. Nah, and there's a difference between because I was looking at this too during that last play. It, it was at the end of the game where Poyer just lit up Kelsey, but yeah, Poyer, oh, Poyer turned. <laughs> Poyer turned so it wasn't head on head. It was shoulder to like that chest neck area. But it was just a little fluky. Like you could tell Poyer wasn't trying to hurt Kelsey, but he was trying to send a message. And that's okay. And I'm cool with that penalty because it, setting the tone, it's kind of like in basketball. You don't want any and ones, right? Johnny, if you're going to use one of your six fouls, that kid's not going to make the basket when you foul him, right? Use it right way. And th- there's a difference between playing within the game and, and gamesmanship and saying, break his ankle, gator roll him, do something that every single person who's ever touched a football field knows that you shouldn't do. Uh, even myself, who was a cripply poor old safety in the back there, just making all the jersey tackles ever. I'm not. I'm still not gator rolling anybody. Like, it's a weak part of your body. The emphasis on the knees. I mean, Pat Mahomes is getting these calls when you know at Oliver and uh, who else was it when they collided? Maybe it was Greg Rousseau at the lower end of Mahomes, and that's not a dirty play, but that's part. That's the roughing the passer rule, and it's the same thing with Frank Clark because. Frank Clark did that whole thing. The analogy that they used on WGR today was like the drive-by elbow in hockey where, oh, I didn't mean to elbow him in the face and knock him out, but like he didn't wrap up. He left his arms hang so he could drive his shoulder into Josh while he's going to the ground. That is a penalty by the definition of the rule, clear as day, just like the ones the Bills were on Mahomes. Those are penalties by the definition of the Tom Brady rule, and everyone was you know a little bit crazy about that, but I... It's definitely heated the rivalry up a little bit with these the way that these guys have played physically against each other. And that shouldn't have even been a penalty, you know, if they didn't. Josh, he had a great run for a first down, you know, the play prior, and they got Mitchell Morris on, like, some sort of ghost hold that I did not see at all. Um, but, you know. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that we're on this, like, revenge tour right now because we took care of one aspect of it. Now Tennessee's next, so it's like that graveyard dude coming knocking on your door Tennessee they're knocking on your door okay Josh is a grown man now uh, he's none of this prepubescent boy stuff here where he's getting jittery I wonder if he was listening to Sinatra at halftime at all yesterday during that delay maybe just to calm down a little bit like speaking of prepubescent have you ever noticed a oh, hell of a transition Pat <laughs> but his picture dude his his like when they show him like when they do like the player intros they they used the same one from like his rookie year and Josh Allen looks like he's like you know what I mean he he, he literally looks like he's like 20 years old like they used the same one like he, he looks like he's about to like hand you your newspaper on a bicycle like you know a little little baby face Josh little baby face Josh and it's funny because then they did you see the Oshai Children's Hospital commercial where he's coming out he's got the little comb over he's got a little bit of a beard to him where he looks like a man and you're like that's my king the only time I thought he was my king was that on that rope to Emmanuel Sanders. That was my second favorite play of the game. He let that ball let go of his fingertips and you knew it was going to somebody's hands. And um, I was just listening to Sanders' post-game conferences uh, talking about this play. And he was going on and on about how much he was like, the pass to me was just ridiculous. It was on a line on a rope. After I caught it, I didn't know what to do because I kept thinking, yo, that throw was crazy. He put it there and it just stuck to my hands. And I'm like, what the heck? 
That was the full quote from Emmanuel Sanders on the throw from Josh Allen for that touchdown pass. Did we think we were going to get this deep threat version of Emmanuel Sanders when we got him this offseason? I feel like the routes that Sanders runs, they're just leveling the field with with whoever they have, right? And whether it's Davis over the middle, digs over the top, and Sanders are Beasley underneath, but he gets open at, at all ends of the field. And if, like yesterday, Beasley had, what, one or two catches? And that was all dictated by the game script because they took the weaknesses that Kansas City had and went after them. Whether it was the place of Zach Moss, like send everybody 45 yards and let Zach Moss stand on the logo, the Arrowhead logo wide open with nobody 10 feet in front of him, 10 feet behind him or left and right and just let him pick up 25 yards like that. Or the Gabe Davis catch was beautiful too, or the tip ball at the line. But think about how how hard Josh threw that ball and how much of a rope that it hit the dude's arm wobbles right to the breadbasket for Davis. Like how, how much of how nice of a throw was that going to be before it got tipped? So it just the, that was Gabe Davis's that, only catch too. Like, I mean, that's it crazy Davis's in itself. Only catch. It was funny. Cause after the game, did you see him dancing? All of the receivers were kind of dancing. Diggs was dancing. Sanders was dancing. And then Gabe Davis is kind of like stands up. Like, I had a catch. I'm going to dance too. Like, he kind of had to warm up into it, but he wanted to partake. And it's like, that's just how, how this offense is. It's like, they're all ready to go when they're called upon and they all fit in so nicely. And it's exciting to watch it blossom in our eyes. All right, you guys want to get a uh, quick Sabres update in here? It's time for the weekly Sabres update. All right, with the uh, Sabres season officially kicking off this week, we just wanted to take this time to announce that they are currently undefeated, and this might be the last time that we can say it. This has been your weekly Sabres update. So did you guys think that there was anything significant about Cole Beasley having a fairly low snap count last night? Do you guys think that that was just, you know, whether it was, do you think it was just a, a personnel thing and how they matched up against the Chiefs? And I mean, is it a Dawson Knox X factor thing? You know, I think one of the reporters asked this of Sean McDermott yesterday, and he said it was completely game script related. I did hear Sal say, though, that there was a third down play that, Cole Beasley got pulled off the field for and he was visually unhappy with it, like arguing on the sideline about the fact that he was coming off the field. Um, Not that I saw that with my own eyes or that was part of the TV broadcast, but they talked about that in the postgame show. So that was something to keep an eye out for. But I think it was strictly due to the matchup that we had. Dawson Knox was eating against them. The the 11 personnel with Knox single or singletary didn't didn't play as much as moss doubled his snap count compared to singletary but um, i think moss tripled his snap count and doubled his carries yeah yeah yeah. so that was cool to see but i think uh cole beasley will be back it's going to come down to each team that they're playing if someone is weak on the slot corner then beasley will feast like he he had 11 catches two days two games ago so you're gonna have to take your turn in this offense yeah no, I, I think that's a great point. No, it, it's a good problem. It's a very good problem to have, right? <laughs> and I mean, I, God forbid, you know, Cole Beasley has to step up. It's not like you're asking some guy off the practice squad to step up. Like you're asking a guy that had almost a thousand yards receiving last year. So I feel pretty good, even if he is like the fourth, third and a half option right now, you know. Even Gabe Davis, he scares me a lot too, man. Because it's like, I think he could be so good. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like if they wanted to... They could hold on to him or like deal him at the end of the season, get a lot for him. But I think he's we'll he's way he's way too young to deal. I mean, you don't deal somebody on a rookie contract that's playing that well. I mean, 
that would come up first, like after his fourth year, right? Because that's that's how long his contract would be. He wasn't a first round pick, so there's no fifth round extension or fifth year extension for him. But yeah, no, I mean he's gonna be he's gonna be the guy that takes over when when Beasley retires. Emmanuel Sanders, like he looks great, but he's not gonna be around forever. Who knows if he's gonna be a He's only on a one-year contract, so who knows if they re-sign him. I think it'll be good to see because you see a lot of these players. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders did it for us this year, but they go to these championship contending teams on one-year deals when they're at the end of their career. So we saw Sanders do it for us. We got, you know, Josh Gordon, who had one catch, do it for the Chiefs. But these other players, Antonio Brown, you know, whoever it is, they go to these... Shady did it twice. Yeah, they go to these (laughs) contending teams and they take the pay cuts, but... Gabe Davis is that insurance policy if Sanders retires and no other free agent wants to come here because he is good. And it's good that they didn't stay complacent and say, hey, we're good already. We want Davis to thrive here. Bringing in that veteran, it's got to be the specific player, just like McDermott has a role for every person on that 53-man roster. It's got to be the personality, championship pedigree, veteran mindset. It's got to mesh into the locker room. So we have that now. And you know, I think McKenzie is going to be Beasley's replacement next year. Um, Dude, what even is Isaiah McKenzie hurt or something? No, I think he was like, he took the gloves off in the rain yesterday. And I think he was having a hard time. Same thing with game script. I don't think they needed him yesterday. Um, to be frank. Because all I saw him, I saw him mishandle the, the kickoff. And yeah, that was I mean, it. that was only, all his only miscue really was bouncing that off his chest plate. But I liked how they used him as a, as a decoy in some of those, uh, those jet sweeps things. Like, I don't know. It's, I mean, that jet sweep hasn't worked in a couple of years, unfortunately. So I, I think that teams have learned to defend it pretty well, even though Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie is pretty fast. Did you see how they lined up Hill in the backfield as a running back on a couple of plays? Yeah. Uh, they'd be, yeah. They'd be silly. He got a couple of carries in the backfield. Yeah. But they did that for McKenzie, too. In the, I think it might have been in the opener. He has been getting looks at, at that. And, and having that player... Just, just to let the other team waste their time game planning for it, right? Even if it's if it takes an hour of their time to game plan for Isaiah McKenzie taking handoffs or doing the jet sweep or being a slot receiver, it just makes us that much harder to play. Yeah, I, that's like some Bill Belichick level petty stuff, you know. Like, I mean, you got to do it. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, but I think that Gabe Davis could easily be somebody like a Robert Woods in his career. You know where he's a good comparison. He's he's never this this person that pops that you're like oh my god this is the next Randy Moss, but he's consistent. He's great at his job. He doesn't drop the ball. He doesn't necessarily get tons of targets, but when he is targeted, he makes the most of his opportunities. And I think that he could very easily, if he can stay healthy, have a an extremely long career. You know, he's strikes me as someone who's got the right work ethic, got the right attitude. He's very focused. I mean. He came on onto this team as, as a rookie, and I mean, think about how little we're talking about Isaiah Hodgins in this conversation. Who both of those guys had about the same skill set going into that training camp, and you know, Gabe Davis is contributing to this offense, and Isaiah Hodgins isn't. You know, so he, he also battled some injuries. So he I know. Missed time to be fair, and- I, Isaiah had was out all last year and had one, but. Isaiah Hodgins they were saying was, they were neck and neck at training camp yeah, and Isaiah, stuff. Isaiah Hodgins was healthy for this training camp and I, again had one less year of experience I guess but yeah I just I that just, just shows how fluky how fluky it can be you know one injury here one injury there and you got a goat born right you got Brady's same thing and all these receivers or any player in the NFL they are all talented enough to get there and it's how 
who picked up the penny that was heads up the other day, right? Who stays, who stays not hurt? Who's got the better diet? You know, these little nicky nacky things, the devils come down to the details for these types of players. Yeah. And Davis has stepped up. Yeah. Especially the further along they get in their career. But anyway, how, how have we made it this far into the episode and not talked about the Josh Allen hurdle? Like that's, that's like, we're just used to it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Monumental. Like, I, you can put that on a calendar for me and I'll put it on all 12 months because or I, I could have 12 different angles of that picture and be happy. Like, it's yeah, such a just... cool moment. Like, oh, everything that goes into that play is so satisfying because it's not only your, your QB being super athletic, it's him selling out to make like, or just like balling out to make a play and really like putting himself on the line in a key situation and also at the same time, Seal like, the game. yeah, sealing the game, flexing on them. It's just like all those things happening at once. You know, it's, it, it felt like a nail in the coffin and I, I just, you know, it was awesome. Give me, give me more of that. But like, don't Josh, don't jump over anyone else. It's okay. But like when it does happen, it's amazing. I think this is the third time he's done it now, but just looking at this picture, just like you said, Pat, the ball on his shoulder, like over the top of his arm, he's got his head up. The defender's eyes are directly down. So there's no way that it just is beautiful. It's it's beautiful. I just love this picture so much. It looks like the Jumpman logo almost to me. Like if Josh Allen ever had like shoes or had like a, a contract with, with Jordan, you'd have to like use the outline of that figure. That picture is so perfect. It's like the high res version of it. You can see the raindrops like just stuck in midair. That's what this one is. Yeah, yeah. there's raindrops on this. Oh. And you can see the fans, people, their face in the background. You got their hands are up in the air. Like, I love that. Watching the fans reaction in the in the background uh, on a play like that. Yeah. Did you see that picture of Micah Hyde's interception with the NFL photographer in the background who was? Yes. Oh, that was so funny. That was so cool. He was so excited for that interception. Oh, my gosh. I, I That's what I looked like. I, I was jumping up and down. You know, I was, oh. Such a great moment. It was. But I mean, it's so it's so funny. That game felt like it had such high stakes. Like thinking about it, it's it's really exciting in hindsight. And you know, it's like we you know, we say it was a fun game to watch, but at the end of that game, I felt more relieved than anything. Yeah. Like Yeah. Like it's like when like you we lose, got one. Yeah, we got one. Like and and you know that I mean, how flipped could this narrative be today if that game had gone the other way? We'd be sitting here saying, you know, I don't know if the Bills are going to be able to, like, I guess this is their Achilles heel. We just got to hope that they don't meet in the playoffs, you know? So, I don't know. I'm just super grateful that they showed up and, you know, they did it on the road too. There's no like, oh, you know, they did it in Buffalo, but maybe they won't be able to do it in Kansas City. Like, they, they, they did it, you know? conditions against them as well i think the conditions favored the chiefs a little bit at different times and definitely the rain delay and stuff like that so overcame the refs and you know the bad juju of chris collinsworth as well so if you can overcome that like i don't know what they can overcome he had some quotes man <laughs> he was calling aj klein grimy and he was like that's a compliment it's like no that's not i've never heard that used as a compliment ever chris <laughs> like come on so he's a grimy player like <laughs> There was, there was one more thing that he said. He's like, he was talking about some receiver. I don't remember which receiver, but he was like, well, he's a receiver. So, you know, he's a tough guy already. I was like, hmm, I don't know why. Hmm. Why, why would Chris Collinsworth be biased in that? I don't know. It's like the dude was a receiver. So well, because ex- he was exactly. getting. Yeah, he was a receiver. So 
he was getting tossed around. It wasn't that he was tough. He was just probably like, I'm getting tossed around. And if I, if I lay down, I'm going to lose my job. Like, <laughs> Oh man. What a pair, what a pairing though. You've got like, you've got Al Michaels, literally the legend that called the miracle on ice and like looks relatively the same age as he did back then. Like it's not that far off. Like, and that was the seventies. Like the dude is aged like a fine wine next to the creator of the Collinsworth slide. And the phrase, now here's a guy like, I don't know. Chris Collinsworth to me is not unbearable on other broadcasts, but I, he was just so out for the chiefs last night. It was tough. And if I wasn't in Nashville and I could have turned on Murph, like I would have done it in a second. Interesting fact about Al Michaels. Like you said, they do get him on show in the bulldog when they have Sunday night football, which is pretty cool that he comes on. But I, I was reading and this is his last year doing Sunday night football. Um, there he is 70, he's going to be 75 years old. And, uh, Mike Tirico, Mike Tirico from Syracuse, who I do like, I like Mike Tirico a lot, Love Mike, but I love Al Michaels. I love Al Michaels, but Mike Tirico is going to be replacing Al Michaels, which is kind of sad. Cause I, I barely, 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 barely remember watching games when it was Al Michaels and John Madden, like barely, I don't, don't totally remember listening to John Madden. Cause that was like, we didn't have cable. It yeah. was right when we couldn't watch ESPN. So yeah. we, we could only watch it back when it was still on ABC. Like, and that so was, we're talking like, Oh, one Oh two. Like that's what I had all the video games. Cause my dad was like, he had, we had PlayStation one and we had like Madden 2001 with like Eddie George on the cover. And like, I remember, yeah, dude, it was like both guys kind of were down here. And I remember like, if you came out like in the goal line offense, they, John Madden and Al, like at the same time would go, jumbo package yeah. <laughs> like they're just real you could tell it's just like two heavier set dudes just <laughs> i mean we we've had plenty of we've yeah. we all used to have plenty of madden tournaments on the on the playstation 2 so good times man me and johnny formed a, a lifelong friendship bonding over madden oh yeah 07, so Solely on madden yeah. and need for speed but mostly yeah. madden yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> um but I, you know it'll be interesting to see how how mike trigo does i do love the syracuse plug i like the western new york maybe we'll maybe he would have probably pushed back on chris collinsworth's garbage takes yesterday if he's in the booth with him but i, I think that al, al michael's just like I, I wish i could have a, a camera of them at all times because i feel like he just looks over at chris sometimes and like what the hell did you just say like what do you what do you yeah, I, I think that he overspeaks a little bit as a color <laughs> analyst as well. Like Al Michaels is a legend, and you know sometimes Chris won't get done with his little blit before the next play starts, and he's kind of he's cutting cutting Al off a little bit. So, you know who I would like to see take Chris Collinsworth's spot though, and I mean it's hard because it's like I, I don't even like the CBS broadcast really. I think they're trash, but. Tony Romo, dude, he's like my favorite announcer, man. I'd like to see him. Yeah, Art, take on one of the bigger. Give me roles. the Manning cast for every game. You know, that's what I was gonna say. Put yeah. put Manning out there. But somebody, I just you know the the way that broadcasting has been done now, it's kind of you know analyst commentator, analyst commentator. So it's cool to see these new players coming in because this is more our generation of guys. I know the names of the players. Like I watched, I didn't watch Boomer or you know, the CBS crew or Terry or Bradshaw or I freaking hate Troy Aikman. He just listening to him call a game and I've never liked him. Joe Buck's okay for baseball, whatever. I know his dad is a legend, whatever, but it seems to me like the only way to get into this business is that your name is Chris Collinsworth. You're in the NFL. You 
created a child that has the almost exact same voice as you. So he gets a job because you're there. It's just like Joe Buck only got that job after his dad had it. And Chris Collinsworth is about to give up his job to his son. And it's like, do, do these people earn it, man? Like the story of, I know this is not football related, but the guy who calls the games for the Toronto Blue Jays started off as like a local sports page article writer in Buffalo. Then he called like Muck Dogs games. He called Bison's games. And then when the, when the guy for Toronto got sick, they called him up and now he's like the full-time play-by-play voice for the Blue Jays. And that's such a cool story just something there's going to be a revolution in the way that the, we're consuming our game content. And you already see it now with that huge influx of fans for the Manning cast. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Everybody loves Sunday night football. So yeah, it's the most watched program on TV. So, I mean, you would think that they could get that someone in there besides Chris, but again, like <sighs> Chris hasn't been awful on other broadcasts. Like sometimes he brings some pretty good insight, but it just seemed like he didn't do his homework on the bills at all. Like it was all chief centric. I mean, if we're, if we're spending 99% of the broadcast talking about Steve Spagnola, I mean, come on, like the bills are a story. They were in the AFC championship last year. You know, it's, it's not like this is Buffalo versus new England in 2007 or something like that. It's, it's two powerhouses of the AFC. I mean, come on. Well, and the other thing I didn't like was that he kept saying like, you know, oh, Spagnola is going to bring the heat. He's going to bring the heat. And it's like, dog, like we just saw Josh Allen like torch like three blitzes for three touchdowns and it's the fourth quarter and we're up by 11 points. Like what? <laughs> like, come on, dog. Like Josh Allen's the best quarterback against the blitz in the league. Anybody knows that if anybody has ever watched a Bills game, looked at any stats for Bills games, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are the two best quarterbacks against the blitz. Yeah. And guess how many times the Bills blitzed them? Zero. Zilch. Not great, great game plan. You know, I was going to say this when we were talking about Leslie Frazier earlier, but remember, he is a co-head coach. He is not a defensive coordinator. Leslie Frazier is a co-head coach. He deserves assistant the respect head coach, of a head yeah. coach. Oh, his assistant head coach? Not okay, assistant so to the head coach. He's an assistant, assistant head, head coach. coach. <laughs> yes, whatever, you know. So, and, and we were talking about this yesterday, and this is a whole other subject of the football, but... We're watching Eric Bieniemy and Leslie Frazier, who absolutely deserve head coaching jobs over these Cliffs Kingsbury or Urban Meyer or Doug Marone or any of these fools that keep getting recycled. And it's like the Rooney rule. It's just so real because these coaches have led the most dynamic position groups in the league at their job. They're the best players at their craft. They're the best professionals that you could have hired and you hire people that aren't deserving of the position. And then it's like, why? I mean, Leslie's 61 years old too. It's, it's very possible that Leslie wasn't interested in the Houston job. Like we don't, we don't really know exactly what transpired there, but oh, I wouldn't, no one's taken that job. If I, no it's, one, it's very why possible. Would he take that job? It's, right. I mean, but gosh, I don't even remember some of the reports. Like they didn't bring Eric B in for a second interview until Deshaun Watson asked him, asked him to like, well, I mean, I guess what we're, basically coming to the point of is that the NFL and broadcasting like any other organization in the entire world is it's, it's all who, you know, you know, and you can only hope for a system that rewards, you know, hard work and and skill and stuff like that. So. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you what though. I was so happy for Sean McDermott. I just like, I didn't realize uh, Andy Reid had fired him, dude. Like that made me, that was like, yeah, yeah. He had fired him in, in Philadelphia. Oh, that's right. And that's how he ended up going to Carolina after that. Yeah. 
But to beat the guy who fired you, like... It's pretty special. Yeah. Even if it took 15, 15 years, you know, I guess it was worth it. My last stat that I have for you is from CBS Sports. Comparing Mahomes and Allen. I don't know if you saw this or not. Win, loss. They're both... 17 and four in their last 21 starts. Their passer rating are both 106. Their completion percentage is both 67.0 and 67.6. Josh Allen has 59 total TDs to 12 interceptions. Mahomes has 58 total TDs to 13 interceptions. And that does not count the rushing yards that Allen has accrued over those last 21 starts. And it says, which quarterback do you want for the next 10 years? So I don't know if that closes the gap a little bit on on the take between the quarterbacks, but we look at the AFC. This is kind of interesting too. When when Mahomes got into the league and he had his first year where he had the 50 touchdowns and the MVP, that was Josh's rookie year. That would have been his whole draft class, his rookie year. So that's five quarterbacks. Since then, you have the turnover of Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, um, the Colts changed quarterbacks, Dolphins changed quarterbacks, Jets changed quarterbacks. So that's at least 11 teams. And now you got the Steelers that are here and they're like, well, maybe I should have done this a couple of years ago because now they're stuck without a plan. And maybe, you know, Mahomes was so he was ahead of the league here and it takes time, but the league catches up at some point. So now you finally have a team here in the Buffalo Bills that was built to beat the Chiefs and they had, they have arrived. So I saw that picture of the Ninja Turtles, right? So it's like Mahomes is the, is the, what's the guy's name? Oh my God. The mouse. He's I know like what meme you're talking about. I didn't grow up watching Ninja Turtles, but yeah. No, he's like, you know, it's like, the, you know, it's the master taking care of the kids and then the kids taking care of the master when he grows old. Yeah. yeah. So now you have these kids in Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and they're, they're giving Mahomes three losses to start the season. And that's a tough schedule, but it's also this league coming full circle in, you know, these other quarterbacks, we said it when the bills were looking for a quarterback, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were the sheriffs rivers and Roethlisberger were the deputies and you had to go through them. And now they're not here and we are, the sheriff in town and uh we have our own sheriff and and patty mahomes has got his territory over there and we're we're duking it out he's the only quarterback from that 2017 draft class that was drafted in the first round that still starts yeah just it, it's cool to see the the league evolve when they have this juggernaut rushing everybody there they were dominating everybody now the bills are dominating and you see these other teams are trying to catch up now you have another big rookie quarterback class coming in um, and it's like the Chiefs got their window. They capitalized on their window. They're trying to extend it. So now these other teams are coming in and trying to try to open up their window. And the Bills are sitting right on the window. So with their arms, everybody's pushing that window open for us right now. Yeah, I, I very much expect it to look like a Manning versus Brady over the course of the next 10, 15 years. I mean, not only are both guys already locked up for the next eight to 10 years with their respective teams. It's I mean, it's both teams are in a position to win. And I think that the bills window looks better over the next three years than the chiefs does. But again, like it doesn't take that much to rebuild the defense, you know, if you're the chiefs. So I'd expect, even if they don't get it done this year, like they're not going away. Like Patrick Mahomes is still going to be Patrick Mahomes and he's not going to, you know, I don't think he's going to regress at all. I mean, I mean, I guess I can hope, but I'd rather the bills just beat him outright. But I, I think if, I'd rather have both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I think we're going to get a lot of interesting games and they're going to be playing each other a lot, just like the Colts and Patriots did, because when you finish 
first in the division, you end up playing, you know, the winner of another AFC division that won first place. So I, I think it'll be interesting. And also just unrelated note, I think it's awesome with the 17th game, the way that they built it in. So you're playing a cross conference opponent who finished in the same place in their division as you did. So we played Washington, which happened to be the weakest division. So they won their division last year, but you're getting games like green Bay chiefs is this, this year was the matchup and you can get super bowl rematches essentially pretty easily through that formula. So I think it's, I think it's cool. And I, again, I think looking back, it's going to be very Tom Brady, Peyton Manning esque. Uh, no, I was just going to say they're also wholesome, so I think they'll be the face of the league for a long time, both guys. But I don't know if I'd describe Patrick Mahomes as wholesome, but I would describe Josh as wholesome. Also <laughs> Kermit the Frog and a crybaby who cries over penalties. Hey, guys, I got, I got, oh, did you see that? I got hit after the whistle. Oh, boy. My dad's a professional baseball player. I can make a big scene if I think I deserve a penalty. I don't know who that was. That sure as hell wasn't Kermit. Uh, terrible because like Tariq Hill was literally like he was like yeah the first 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 year I was with this guy I couldn't understand what the hell he was saying he's like his voice <laughs> was so weird <laughs> no what you said John about being prepared to keep this window open for the next three to four years better than the Chiefs it's because we've got big baller bean it's him Mr. Brandon 100% him it's 100% him because look at this so we got our 30th pick Greg Rousseau interception Sack, Boogie Basham, second round pick, tackle, third round pick, Spencer Brown, starting right tackle, who doesn't just start. He's dominated his first two starts. Like, yeah. like not. And, and Tara Williams, pick up inside the line. And that's just 2021. And then you go to 2020. What do you got? AJ Epinesa finally blooming. Zach Moss, Gabe Davis, Tyler Bass, and D- Dane Jackson. That's six player. Oh, the, just capitalizing on these draft picks. Kansas City has not drafted well since they've had Mahomes, which is you see it a little bit in their lack of depth. They have Hardman and you have Pringle, but they didn't play that great. And you see it on their defense. They just, you know, M- McDermott knows how to draft people on defense. He, it, he's been around. It's not just ago. the players that they have on their roster right now. It's just the system that they've created and the experience that they've had. They, we have every reason to believe that going forward, they're going to continue to have successful drafts and and draft the right guys and do their homework and and have a, a really you know well assembled team. Like, I think that there's a lot of guys on Brandon Bean's staff that are going to get promoted to other jobs. You know, so, but again, like I have total faith in in Brandon Bean, and they're going to continue to draft well. They're going to be smart in free agency, and not to mention that the cap is going to take a nice little jump here in the next few years. So, I mean, I think that I think that a large cap actually it's great for the Bills because they've got a franchise quarterback who's going to take up a large chunk of that. But again, if you're going to pick somebody to manage the cap, I mean, it's an advantage Brandon Bean 100%. Like he's going to he's a wizard more than anyone else in this league. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that are GMs in this league that I don't know I don't know if they were the best pick for their jobs. I mean, again, we're just sideline commentators. So, you know, virtual, like metaphorical sideline commentators, not actually even real sideline commentators, but you know what I mean? You know, the other guy I like in our front office is uh, Adam Sheehan, the assistant GM. There's a lot of other places that could use a guy like him in their front office. And I, and I hope 
that the Pagulas can take a look around the NFL and be like, okay, how did Bill Belichick keep his staff together? Oh, we paid Josh McDaniels like a head coach, but we're going to let him stay on as offensive coordinator, but we're going to double his salary. All right. We're going to pay him $2 million a year to call plays instead of 500 K like a coordinator, you know, give him this money, right? These guys earn every penny. Same thing with the promoting of, Leslie Frazier, that's better for me than him taking a head coaching job somewhere else. And Oh, heck yeah. Of course, of course you want to retain these guys. No, it's just the same thing with, uh, you see it around the league. The, the most starking one that I thought was crazy was the Atlanta Falcons after they went to the Super Bowl. They kept Dan Quinn and let Kyle Shanahan leave, and they've never been the same, right? Yeah. So did they, t- did they keep the wrong coach? I'm not worried about that with McDermott because we, ha- we have this trust built uh, on you know, whatever it is like Bibles and gold bricks and whatever Brandon Bean's drinking over there. I'm not worried about it, but you see that in other organizations, they were not able to fill the void of losing a talent like Kyle Shanahan. Well, and the weirdest part is like, I mean, on paper, you'd be like, okay, Quinn, you know, he was the guy calling the plays for the Legion of Boom, you know, out there in Seattle. But I guess, you know, prior experience does not always indicate future results. (laughs) How do you feel right now? Just going back to Josh McDaniels for a second. How do you feel if you're Josh McDaniels right now you got a great coaching opening opportunity with the Colts. Said yes, and then was like, hmm, nah. And now, like, I don't think he's even a, a candidate for anybody. I mean, he's probably trying to see Mac grow, though, too, you know. But sorry, I'm going to cut that, you off. That's a side conversation with Bill, where Bill's like, hey, come back here, and I'm out of here in three years. So you are going to take over for me and you're going to take my son to be the offensive coordinator when you move oh, away God. from your position. I hope Steven takes so that like, job. I, I really think that's his, I think that's this play. Like why else would you do that? Why would you accept an offer then go meet with Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and then change your mind? Like, what did he say? Like, what do you got? I got three years left. You stay with me. I'll, we'll pay you like as a head coach and you take over when I leave. Yeah. It's gotta be something like that. And yeah. Oh my gosh. Bill's son. That is one disgusting looking dude. Dude, Steven, I hope he's calling the plays, man. Hey, I'll tell you what, we beat up on North Turner's sons calling the plays over in Washington. So bring him on. Bring on the nepotism, man. <laughs> bring it on. Uh, we smush nepotism in these parts. <laughs> we do. We smush it. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Oh, okay. Can I give you one quote? Can I give you one quote? Well, uh, okay. It's kind of about Josh as he was this Sunday. The, the quote's from Teresa Walker. She's a beat reporter for the Titans and Mike Rabel got a quote about Josh Allen and it was, it looks like they're scoring at will moving the ball. Quarterback looks like a running back with an elite arm. It's like the wildcat, but he throws for 350 yards a game. Oh, I saw that. I, I love that. That's awesome. Respect to Miami yeah. dolphins for coming up with a great, great term still used today. Ricky Williams, dude was, he was running shit yeah. in the wild. Former for Batavia a while, Muck dog, Ricky Williams. Yeah. Dude, I was I, I liked Ricky, dude, as a player. Even dude, Ricky was I really liked Ricky as a player, man. I mean, with the Dolphins, with the Saints, and then when he came back with the Ravens, I mean, he lost in the AFC championship game. And if he would have came back the next year, that's when they won the Super Bowl. And Ricky was like totally okay with just taking pictures. Like, dude, I've never seen a guy that could just take four years off from the league, go meditate with with monks, get, you know, suspended a bunch of times, be totally cool with himself. Like, he's just a big fan. Ricky of the Wildcat of Josh Allen of this podcast trading an entire draft class to draft with Ricky Williams which is crazy yeah it's nuts but anyway well I'll see you guys back here Thursday and we'll get uh, some good Brando's bets check a look at our records and Pat Pat why are you waving your arms that was a dab
I was dabbing, John. Oh, I sorry, you're blurry. <laughs> I couldn't see. <laughs> it was literally just like a blur on the screen. I knew what you were doing, but it literally just like. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, so Pat funny. Pat got into the wind column on on his record. So we'll, we'll get to that. Stay tuned. Hey, but, four and two, baby. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you're listening, uh, feel free to give us Apollo on Twitter at Not Bills Podcast. Now, um, do we still have a phone number that someone could call in if they wanted to leave a message? Yeah, it's a it's a link right in our our podcast. So if you have any hate mail, just uh, we'd we'd love to. Yes, if you'd like to heckle yeah, us, yeah, heckle us, please. That'd be hilarious. We'll, we'll put it on the show. Nick Wright, if you're listening, call in because I'm sick of tweeting about how incompetent you are, and I would just love to tell. Did you it to see you. this moron? This moron, Nick Wright, was like, "The only way I could explain the game is like that meme, that meme where the guy is crying." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like, if this is how you have to equate football wins and losses, like, yeah, obviously you're a kid from Westchester County who went to journalism school at, at you know, and I mean, at Syracuse University and never played a down of football. Do you really? You're sitting across from Ryan Clark, and he. Has has to just like take this in with a straight face just like moron i, I hate nick right he's the Sorry. worst sports personality on tv man like there's a lot of bad ones the nick nick got his own show at prime time oh. <laughs> dude sucks but like i said i comment on his twitter like every day telling him how much he sucks so yeah. i would love to just well, talk that's to him. that's what keeps his brand going so I know thank you for I know. contributing into his clicks. I know, I know. Well, I know. Yeah. It's it's not important to say the right thing. It I just mean, matters if you talk loud. That's 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 I mean, what, he is from Kansas City, so I do get it, but like at the same time, he's a bigger homer than any of us. I forgot he's a Chiefs fan. That makes so much sense. I know, but he's like a relentless annoying homer. Like so anyway. But if he was a homer, not a Buffalo hater, I'd be fine. But he's also a Buffalo hater, so yeah. Anyway, well, for the third time, this is going to do it for this episode. All right, I'll see you boys on Thursday. We'll get some Brando's bets going and uh, do our game picks and get some Titans preview going. So we just had too much Chiefs to talk about, and and rightfully so. so yes, yes, big we'll game. see you here on the Friday morning. Yeah.